this time be with Pastor Jason now as he brings forth your words for us in your son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, church. And it's, it's very interesting. Eric picked that song here to close our, our worship time. But as we get into our message this morning, you're going to see how relevant that song is for us today. And so just, just look at Wayne. Wayne's walking out the door. Happy birthday, Wayne. Have a good day, man. He was here for our early service. So we, well, we're so glad that he is able to enjoy his day. Before I get started this morning, just a couple quick announcements. Uh, we are starting a new sermon series next week um, called... What No One Told Us About Parenting. Um, and so what's great about this is I've asked uh, three of our men, actually they're deacons in our church, who have raised children, who are, I call, I look up to individuals that are successful in parenting. You know, you, when, you, when you want someone to give you advice, you don't want an individual to give, give you advice who is a failure, right? You want individuals who are successful in parenting. So uh, next week, Brother Ken Howard is going to share on um, Parenting Starts with the Gospel. And then the following week, Paul Wampler is going to share in the area of parenting that grace is sufficient. And we can all agree that we all need grace when it comes to parenting. And then I will come in and speak on discipline. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then Brother Max will close about the unity of marriage and parenting. And so they're just, just a, a great sermon series here. So I, we made these little handouts up. So please take them. They're out there in the foyer. That way you can hand them out to people. Like, you know, hey, you really need this, so come to church on Sunday. All right? No, but just for friends, you know, just hand out. This is a great opportunity for you to invite someone who doesn't know Jesus, who's just, you know, has kids and, you know, just wants to know a little bit about parenting. So please want them to join us. And then also, where's the Tim and Shelley? Tim and Shelley, stand up for a moment. I'm not, just, it's okay. They're, they're starting a class in their house, actually a study called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. And so if you're interested, I have children that are old. You can sit down now, no attention on you guys, okay? All right? Um, please see them if you want to join their Bible study there at their home about doing life with adult children. So many, some of us are there. And so that's also another great opportunity. Again, we thought it'd be awesome for us as we start September. Kids are get back into school, focused to be children as we come into September. So here's some messages on parenting and also a Bible study for those that have children, uh, children that are adults. And also, last announcement before we get into Malachi 4 is coming soon, attraction here, is we are going to be announcing in the next couple weeks our adult Bible study on Wednesday nights over in the Family Life Center. It's a great time. We'll have Wednesday night, all our children's ministries and things, but we will have probably three to four classes that you'll be able to sign up for, Bible doctrine, cultural classes over in the Family Life Center. So Pastor Frank will share a little bit more about that, but we're excited about that, that we make Wednesday night kind of our Bible study fellowship in time. And so be looking forward to that, more information coming on that. Okay, I'm done. All right. Malachi 4, the last chapter of the Old Testament. This morning, remembering God's faithfulness. Remembering God's faithfulness. Remember, we talked about their ministry, Israel's ministry. We talked about their marriages. They were failing in their marriages. We were talking about their tithing. They were not giving to God what God asked them to. Today, we're going to talk to see what God says about their future their future. And so as we come to the last words that God gave the nation of Israel before going into radio silence for 400 years, the next person that speaks is who? John the Baptist. And we're going to talk a little bit about John the Baptist this morning as we get to verse 6 in Malachi chapter 4. And so we, we always remember last words, right? Famous words. Well, this is God's last words. 
You ever heard, remember some famous words from people? Maybe for you, or maybe I should say more last words of individuals. Maybe that individual you were with, a family member, a friend that you were with that passed and you remember what they said. Drummer Buddy Rich died in 1987 after surgery. And as he was going into surgery, the nurse asked him, is there anything you can't take? Buddy Rich replied, yes, country music. They were his last words. Actor Michael Landon, best known for his role on Little House in the Prairie and Highway to Heaven. Lauren, I know that was your favorite show, Little House in the Prairie, right? Um, oh, no, I, I don't know that. Don't know that. But Michael Landon died in 1991 of cancer, but as he was surrounded by his friends and family, he says this, you're right, it's time for me to go, I love you all. And he passed. And there are words like that that, that get us emotional. Or like Steve Jobs, his sister Mona, who is the, because she, he is the vice, pre, or he was the president founder of Apple, Apple, um, of Apple products, the, um, all the things we, the devices that we hold in our hands. His last words were, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow. And you wonder, as you listen, what was going through their minds as they were saying these things. These are God's last words to the nation of Israel. These are very important words. These six verses are going to tell us what God wanted the nation of Israel to know and to do. So let's look at verse 1, Malachi 4, look at verse 1. We're going to read through these six verses, and then we'll break it down. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root or branch. But you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 4, remember the law of, Mo the law of my servant Moses, the statues and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. See, every single verse here in, verse, in chapter 4 is future. God is having the nation of Israel look forward. And so we see here, look, I want you to get your pen out, I want you to underline, circle, what, when we see the day here in chapter, chapter 4. See, verse 1, for behold, the day is coming. We read it again at the end of the verse, the day that is coming will be set of them ablaze. In verse 3, one on the day when I am preparing. Verse 5, the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. So the question we have to answer this morning is this, just what is the day of the Lord? What is Malachi referring to here? Well, that phrase, a day of the Lord, is we look at events that happen at the end of history. For us, for Malachi and the nation of Israel, it's future. And for us today, it is still future. It is often associated, we hear it, that day. One key to understanding this phrase is we must understand that this is a span of time, a period of time, in which God personally intervenes either directly or indirectly to accomplish his will and his purpose for a people and, of course, for the world. And so we understand the day of the Lord to be this. It is the tribulation period. It's the span of time. When Jesus comes and raptures, catches his church away, as we sang in that last verse of that song of praise the name, 
When he comes with trumpets down, he doesn't come to earth, he comes to the clouds, 1 Thessalonians 14, and he raptures us, he catches us away. From that moment, sometime after that, the Antichrist will come into the scene. At that moment, the day of the Lord begins. Remember, what is the purpose of the tribulation period? The tribulation period is for the purpose of bringing Israel back to himself. The church is gone, and for seven years, we will enter the day of the Lord. The earth will receive destruction and judgment unlike anything other ever happened in history. Where Malachi 4 is this idea of Jesus coming, which ends the day of the Lord. When Jesus comes back, his second coming, well, he will plant his feet on the dome of the rock, and he will set up his millennial kingdom. And we'll talk more about that, where we will be when that happens. So this morning, our, 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 our message title is Remembering God's faithfulness. Now, as we read through those six verses, you're like, okay, where's God's faithfulness in burning fire and, 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 and a blaze? Well, let, let's, let's, let's walk through that this morning. There are three coming attractions I think we see in Malachi chapter 4. So we're going to look at three coming attractions that Malachi has for the nation of Israel. The first is, I think you can probably guess it, called the coming heat. The coming heat. For behold, the day is coming, he says, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chafe. And the day that is coming will be set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root or branch. Do you think of the time where uh, a particular temperature, the worst temperature that you've been in, how hot it was? For me, it was uh, the Philippines. We take mission for any, any of us who have been to the Philippines, some of the teens that went with me back in the day. You get out of the airport and you get come into, the, into Manila and it's just like you could cut the humidity with a knife. And you know me, I don't sweat or anything, you know. And so wake up Sunday morning and we walk a mile to church up a hill. And so I walk into church like I've just played basketball for an hour. And then they hand me, oh, Sir Jason, here's some hot coffee. And you're like... I hate coffee, I hate heat, and I'm sweating. You know, you got to get comfortable. You're being so hot. Actually, there are two young men, actually Mitchell and Matt Ellis, who were deployed overseas over in the Middle East. They shared, they seen temperatures up to 130 degrees with their full military gear on. And Matt was sharing with me, he says, you'd walk out of your bunk and you could just, your, your mouth and your nose would burn because you just, the heat was there. Well, let's remember Daniel chapter 3. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What's it say there? You don't need to turn there. But the story is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow to the 90-foot graven image that Nebuchadnezzar made to be worshipped. And what did he say? I'm throwing you in the furnace. Well, they said, man, do what you want, but we're still not going to bow. What did he do there in verse 19 of chapter 3? He says, he turned the oven, he turned the furnace seven times more than it usually was heated. I want you to get the idea of heat here to where his employees, Nebuchadnezzar's employees, would go to, go to turn up the heat. They would die because it was so hot. This is the idea Malachi wants us to understand about the coming of the Lord. Okay, not the rapture. We're going to touch base on that in a minute. This is the second coming of Jesus to the earth. It's going to be a blaze. It will be a furnace-like time. Do you ever remember standing by a fire that was so hot? You, you know, campfire. I can remember I would take some teens down to my friend Doug's house in Elizabethtown, and he would enjoy making like a 20-foot fire in his farm. Pallets and hay, you go in there, wow. You know, middle school is like, this is awesome. But you had to enjoy it like a mile back because of the heat that radiated off of that fire. 
See, when the Lord returns, that is the feeling that will be experienced here on the earth. And it's very consistent with Scripture. Just, just follow me with it. You'll see the references on the screen. David said it this way in Psalms 21.9. He says, You will make them a fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord will swallow them up with wrath and fire will devour them. Talking about this day of the Lord. Let's just go to the Paul's words in 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, 9. He says this, The Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, John said it this way in Revelation chapter 16, talking about one of the bold judgments in Revelation. He says, The fourth angel poured out the bowl upon the sun, and it was given to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with fierce heat. Listen, this is the picture that God gives of the day of the Lord. Now again, as we said, it's a span of time. We believe it starts at the tribulation period, and God's judgment and wrath, as we read in Revelation 16, one of those bold judgments deals with the sun and scorching heat. God will come, Jesus will come in his second coming. It will be burning. It will be a blazing hot day of destruction. It's not pleasant. It's not fun to talk about. It's not supposed to be. But Malachi here is telling the nation of Israel, Malachi 4, it will come. Will you be ready? There's a reason why the Lord reveals himself in this way. And it has to do with his character, of who he is. See, God cannot tolerate sin and evilness. Yeah, he's patient. He's long-suffering. But ultimately, he will vindicate himself by punishing those who have transgressed against him and have rejected him. I know that's not a, that's not a subject we hear about. That's not a subject we hear on TBN. But it's a reality. As I tell you, I'm a realist. I want to know what's coming down the pike for me. Do you? I want to know what's, what's, what's next. Well, Scripture's telling, Malachi's telling Israel, listen, this is what's coming. And he's telling Malachi this 2,400 years ago, we're, and we're looking forward. This hasn't come yet. We're still looking forward to this day. Well, I'll tell you a little bit where we will be at this day. Well, think about how God handled the world back in, back in Genesis chapter 6. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of the heart were only evil continually. Can you imagine that during a time of Noah, the only people that were righteous were Noah and his family. Everyone else in the world, they thought evil continually. Can you even comprehend that? I, I can't. Well, we know that God flooded the earth with water. And of course, we know Genesis, he gives us the rainbow as a promise that he will never destroy the earth that way again. However, if we look at Peter's message in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 5-7, through 7, here's what he says. By the word of God, the heaven existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at the time was destroyed, talking about the flood, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly men. Looking back at Malachi chapter 4, the day is coming, burning like a furnace for all the arrogant and evildoers. The day that was coming will be set ablaze. I believe when we look at that day, as he's trying to get the nation of Israel to look at this day. I think, and we're, we can take application to this, and I'll explain in a moment. There are two responses to the day of the Lord. First response we have is unbelief. There are going to be people in the world that will be unbelievers. They are going to shake their fist at God. We can read that through the book of Revelation. Even through God's judgment, God's destruction, they're still saying, 
I hate you. What are you doing? You see, in Malachi's time, we look at chapter 3, verse 15, and now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. What's he saying? There, there, there are individuals in the nation of Israel that were looking around and seeing wickedness being, take, being good. People were looking at, this was evil? Well, they were looking at it as being good. It wasn't being dealt with. And so the nation of Israel like, listen, why should we do, why should we follow God? Why should we do the works of God if the evil are going to succeed? The reason the math for Malachi is for the nation of Israel to see of their disobedience, their unbelieving spirit. Their sin needed to be exposed, and the consequences awaited them. They had to know the consequences if they did not repent. Do you remember the, the prophet Habakkuk? Habakkuk had the same thought. He looks around at the world and says, why are they getting away with stuff? Why should I follow God when everyone around me is doing wicked and, and they seem to be getting away with it? It's like they're having a blast. Well, God told Habakkuk, well, just hang, I, I got a plan. Of course, we know the rest of that prophet talked about the Babylonian captivity with Israel. Well, with Malachi, this is talking about the second coming of Jesus. Look what he says here. Malachi 3, 7. What did, what did we learn about God last week? He says to the nation of Israel, Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. I, I want you to see something here about our God. Despite talking about destruction, talking about fiery, a blaze coming down to destroy the evil, our God is still a loving, caring, patient, graceful God. Return to me, he says, and I will return to you. That's, that's what he's asking them to do. We see in Malachi chapter 1, what do we learn in Malachi 1? Listen, I have loved you, he says. And this, then he explains, this is how I loved you. Of course, Malachi 3, return to me and I will return to you. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, he tells the church this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Okay, I want you to think of the person. It might be in the world, maybe someone you don't personally know, but someone you see on television, someone that you just despise, you hate for whatever reason. We shouldn't hate anyone, but you understand where I'm getting at. I want you to think of that individual, and you, I want you to look and think of this verse. God doesn't want that person to perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants the people that he created, he made, he fashioned in their mother's womb. He loves them, he made them, he created them. He wants them to repent. He doesn't want them to perish. And Peter reminds the church just like God did with Israel. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Hey, God is patient. God is, he's, he is showing grace. He's showing long-suffering. But the day is coming. God is telling the nation, listen, be ready. The day of the Lord is coming. This is what's going to be like. Are you ready for it? Peter tells the church, God is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But listen, the day of the Lord is coming. Israel, what are you going to do when this day comes? Where will you be? So there's a response of unbelief, and it will be in the day of the Lord. People will, up to the moment Jesus comes in the clouds, to set, come to earth to set his kingdom up, and he destroys the armies of the world, there will be people that will shake their fist at God. They will leave this earth in destruction, and they will spend an eternity in hell remembering that moment they rejected Jesus. However, I believe in the day of the Lord, Malachi shows us also, 
Not only will there be unbelief for the nation of Israel, but there's also going to be those that will have comfort. I know what you're thinking. What? Comfort? I read this text. There is no comfort in words like fire, furnace, ablaze. There is no comfort in that. Well, Malachi, the Israelites in Malachi's time were seeing the evil around them, questioning the justice of God. They were pondering whether, and we can see in their, in their act of ministry, in their act of giving, is it really worth serving the Lord because of all the wickedness that's happening? Nothing's happening to them. So is it really worth for us? We, we can go have fun with them. We can go participate with them because, hey, God's not doing anything to them. So why do we have to serve God? And maybe we think that today. Maybe we think, man, I go to church every week, man, my, my neighbors don't, they seem to be doing pretty good. You know, man, they're, they're having fun partying and having the, the light of the time of their life. You know, wh- why do we have to kind of fit within this standard of the Bible? It just seems, what's, 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 what's the worth? See, when you look at those who don't fear God, we understand we should be actually fearful. And we should also be concerned because we know that this day's coming. Their judgment's coming. And we need to have the heart of God. Like We don't want them to perish. We don't want them to go to hell. We don't want that. I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 96, 11 through 13. He says this, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then, all, and then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth, He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Despite it all, God's going to be faithful, amen? See, this is how it will be when the Lord returns. This anticipated day. Some will be unbelieving. Some will still reject. Others will rejoice because they know that hope is on its way. And that comes to our second act or our, our, our second point this morning we had the coming heat the judgment is coming malachi is telling the nation of israel this is coming the heat is coming destruction is coming you're either believing or you're you have hope or you're comforted well, our second point is the coming hope look at verses two and three but for you who fear my name the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings you shall go out leaping like calves from the stone. I want you to underline that phrase there because we're going to touch base on what that means. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under your soles of your feet one day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Again, there's going to be those that will be in disbelief, and there'll be those that will have hope and comfort. What we see here in verse 2, that phrase, the son of righteousness, S-U-N, Theologians had kind of questioned what really that meant because that's the only time in Scripture that we see this phrase. And so, what we believe they believe to be talking about in general, here's what it means when Jesus comes, righteousness will pervade the world. Righteousness will come and pervade, and you can't get away from righteousness. Jesus is coming, He's bringing righteousness. You ever been in the sun and you hate being in the sun? Like, I don't like. Being, I need my hat on, I need some clothes because it's like I get burnt, I don't like, and it's like I'm, Judy always, you gotta get out of the sun. Yes, I'm trying to find shade, right? You know, I'm just trying, yeah, I'm trying to, because the sun is just pervading me. I, I want to get out. When Jesus comes, righteousness will come. You won't be able to get out of the way when righteousness comes, when Jesus comes in the second coming. 
So I know what you're asking. So how is there hope here with destruction? Look at that phrase, you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Okay, so how's this all tied together? So now I, I kind of have to address us as a church because now Malachi 4 is the nation of Israel. Okay. We talk that the day of the Lord, we believe, is the tribulation period. Where are we during the tribulation period? Thank you, Caroline. One person knows where they're going to be at. We're going to be in heaven. See, we're going to be caught away, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 15. We are going to be snatched. That's what the word in the Greek means, snatched, caught away in the clouds. Jesus will come in the clouds. And we are going to have our marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to be rejoicing with Jesus while God brings Israel to the front burner and he deals with them to bring them to, for them to return, as Malachi said, to him. Okay? And so that's where we will be. There will be individuals. Isaiah 65 gives us this picture. There will be individuals during the tribulation period that will come to faith. In fact, that we know in Revelation that there will be 144,000 male Jewish virgins who will be sealed to be witnesses during the tribulation period. People will come to faith during the tribulation period. It will not be a popular time. You will probably be martyred because of the Antichrist, but they will be saved. And Isaiah 65 gives us this picture that there will be individuals who will walk through the tribulation period into the millennial kingdom. And that is who Malachi is talking about here in chapter 4. They are there seeing Jesus come back. And they're the ones that see the coming hope. See, for us, guess where we're at? We're behind Jesus. Yeah, here we go. He's coming. We're, going, we're the armies of heaven that are on white horses coming behind with Jesus as Jesus come, comes and sets destruction on the earth to the armies of the world to set up his kingdom. Is that exciting? I don't like riding horses. I think I'll like riding this one. See, that's where we'll be in Malachi, the, the event of Malachi chapter 4. We're coming down with Jesus. We're behind the fire. We're behind the destruction. But for those that are living in the world at the time who are believers, who come to faith, they're like, they're like the calves. Now, now Tim, you're, you're an animal guy. I can only imagine what I've seen. You, you keep it calf cooped up after it's, after it's born. But when you let that thing out in the field, that thing is just like frolicking around. That's, that's the picture Malachi wants us to have. When, when, when those Christians that are still here on earth see Jesus coming, they're like, here he comes. Yeah, hope has arrived. Because you have to understand, those Christians during that day of the Lord have been in severe persecution. And they see Jesus, they're like, <laughs> yes! It's kind of like this idea. There's a, there's a picture, a house in the middle of the Iraqi war, and it's surrounded by a unit of U.S. Navy SEALs, the best of the best. And they scream into the house, we know you're in there, come out, you're dead. If you're a Taliban terrorist, you're going to be shaking in your boots, like, yeah, I'm done. But... If you're an American journalist that's in the basement tied up and beaten alive, and you hear the voice, John, are you in there? Good guys are here. We're here to get you out. What do you have? You have hope, right? You have hope. See, and that's like the Christians in, during, during that tribulation period. When they see Jesus coming, they're saying, there's hope. There is hope. Isn't that exciting, church? Isn't that exciting, so we have the coming heat. We know destruction's coming. We know that God cannot deal with evil anymore. His patience will run out. He is such a patient and long-suffering God. It's amazing and a characteristic of God. 
We know that he is the coming hope. Righteousness will prevail. He will set his kingdom up for a thousand years, and we will rule and reign with him. We will rule and reign with him. But we also see here, even in God's long-suffering, our third event here is the coming help. The coming help. Look at verses 4 and six, four through 6. God is sending help for Israel to get, hey, listen, Israel, this, the day of the Lord's coming, but listen, I want you to believe. I want you to follow. I want you to, I'm going to send you people to tell you what you need to do. Verse 4, remember the law of the servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Most likely, we, the Ten Commandments. Behold, I will send you Elijah. I want you to circle Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And when he turns the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the hearts of their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of, of utter destruction. Now we need to turn to Luke chapter 1 this morning. Because Elijah here, he said, the help that he's sending, he's like, listen, he, Elijah's going to come. Now there's two parts to this I want us to understand of what he's talking about. But Luke chapter 1 gives us a picture of partial fulfillment of this Elijah coming. And this is the story of the birth of John the Baptist. So if you look at Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 17, we'll read that quickly. But the angel said to him, Zechariah, Do not be afraid, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he, will, he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb. And he will turn the, many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared." What do we say the ministry of John the Baptist? I'm going to go through a couple of things that John did when he was here on earth as he was a, the, the, the prophet. He said he came and preached repentance, right? He, that's what he was known for. He was not a popular guy. He instructed people in the ways of God. When people had specific questions, he answered them and told them what they needed to do. Some examples, he, he encouraged tax collectors not to tax people more than they should. He encouraged soldiers not to take people by force and treat them ignorantly. His preaching brought great revival. Remember, they asked if he was the Christ? He goes, no, I'm preparing the way for the Christ. And certainly their hearts returned to their children. Their hearts of their children returned to their fathers. God had sent them ahead of Jesus to help Israel to see what they needed to do. You see, now the words of Malachi 4 apply partially to John the Baptist. John the Baptist took the baton of Elijah's ministry and carried it into the New Testament, the beginning of the age, of the New Testament age. See, John chapter 1, when John was asked, are you Elijah, what was his response? No, I'm not Elijah. So we like, called John the Baptist, he was Elijah-esque. All right? He was Elijah-esque. And he came into the New Testament age there as the prophet, preparing the way of the Lord. See, it can't be fulfilled totally as, as with John the Baptist because, of course, John the Baptist is not Elijah. And when Jesus was born, it was not the great and terrible day of the Lord, was it? No, as it says in Malachi 4. It's a partial fulfillment. And I believe here, as we get into the, the day of the Lord, we see here Malachi saying, Elijah will come. 
And I believe personally, in my, my personal studies in this, I believe Elijah will be one of those witnesses that come down to earth to minister in the tribulation period. And so Elijah's complete fulfillment will happen. And guess what, church? We won't be here. We're not going to see it. We're going to be with Jesus. But I want us to see here this morning that even in destruction, God is sending help to people to come to faith. I I want us to look at that characteristic of God. And we really need to apply that to our lives. Being patient and long-suffering with people who are not our faith, and we want them to come to faith, and we continue to be persistent, to share Jesus with them, and not to be frustrated, because God here is patient and graceful, even in the day of the Lord. See, today we need help, don't we? We see what's happening in our world. Abortion, abuse, the God of sexuality is permeating our society to where it's confusing our kids, it's confusing our schools, and unfortunately, it's getting into the church, and it's confusing the church. I don't know how, but it is, because we're looking at culture, and we're saying, that's what it must be like. We need help, don't we, church? Israel needed help in Malachi's time, and he sent help. He sent a prophet. He sent John the Baptist. He sent Elijah, and in the future, we'll send Elijah again with another witness to what prophesied during the day of the Lord to give them another chance to turn. What also did he remind the nation of Israel to do? Look at chapter 4, verse 4. Even the statutes and the ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. He wanted them to pay attention to those statutes, those Ten Commandments. We reference in Deuteronomy 5, 2. It was a call for them to live righteously, This loving God wanted their heart, soul, mind, and their strength. He wanted them to remember God's faithfulness. Despite the destruction that is coming for Israel and for us, what's coming for the world, God is faithful. God is long-suffering. God is gracious. So let's just end the book of Malachi here this morning. So what did we get from Malachi? Okay, we understood their ministry was a failure. Their hearts weren't in it. We see that their marriages, they were failures. They were seeking gods. They were seeking wives that worship foreign gods. They were divorcing them. Their tithing, their tithing, their giving was a failure. They were not giving God what was due his name. And so we close out this morning with this idea. Here is your future. Here is the choice. You can continue to be arrogant and evildoers. And here's what you have to look forward to. Jesus coming back in a blaze, and there will be destruction. Or for those who fear God, there's hope. And when you see Jesus, you're going to be rejoicing. You're going to be dancing like the calf in the field. See, despite the sin and disobedience of the nation of Israel, we can see time and time again of God's faithfulness. Can't we? And isn't that true with even us as the church today? No matter what we've gone through, no matter what's happening in our life, what's happening in our world, we can say this, God is faithful. God is faithful. So I want to just kind of close the book of Malachi with the same choice he gave the nation of Israel. Our coming hope is Jesus. Not the second coming, but the rapture. We have a choice to make. We trust Jesus. We ask Christ into our life. We took communion this morning. 
The reason why we celebrate is because we're rejoicing, we're remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross, his body, his blood, that paid the redemption, who paid the ransom for our sin. You can choose Jesus, and there's hope. There's a hope of a future, not of this world. But like Malachi told the nation of Israel, you can continue to disbelieve. But what's he say? But there's a day coming. There is a day coming, and this is what it's going to look like. And so I leave that with you this morning. We, can, we are saved from the coming heat, the judgment, aren't we? See, Jesus shielded that judgment. He, Jesus took the full wrath of God for us, for our sin, on the cross. And we that put our faith and trust in him, guess what? We can rejoice that we have a coming hope. So when we see Jesus, guess what? It's not in judgment. It will never be in judgment. It's with hope and comfort and peace. And we do this. We trust Christ. We believe in him. We, we love that he is our coming hope. And as we live here until he comes, we continue to reach out to him because he is our help. He is our help. And so if you're here today and you don't know Christ, Accept the one who took the judgment and destruction for you on the cross. And all you need to do is just call. Call upon the name of the Lord, and the Bible says you will be saved. We don't want you to live in unbelief. Because as Malachi says, as Peter says, but the day is coming. But the day is coming. And we want you with us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I will save a seat for you. That's how much we want you there but you must believe and accept and repent because a day is coming. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for a hard text. Lord, it's not, ta- it's, it's, it's not fun to talk about destruction and, and wickedness and how you're going to destroy the world and, and people, but Lord, it, it's, it's in the text. <laughs> We have to preach the text, and Lord, we understand this is the future of the world, and there's going to be two groups of individuals. Those who trust, they'll receive, they'll see hope, and they'll, they'll see, have comfort, and there's those that will continue to be in disbelief, and this is what's going to happen. Destruction, death, and ultimate, ultimately and eternally, eternity separated from God in hell. With your head bows and eyes closed this morning, I, I just want you to, to think for a moment and for maybe, maybe many of us, we're preaching to the choir, and that's okay. But understand, for us that know Christ as our Savior, we will see Jesus, and that is our hope. And that's what Paul encouraged the Christians in 1 Thessalonians 4. Encourage one another with these words. The words that Jesus is coming in the cloud. Jesus is going to rescue us from what is to, come, what is to be the day of the Lord, the, the judgment of the world. Maybe you're here today, and, and you have not trusted Christ, and you're thinking about it, and you've been, you know, God's been drawing you to himself, and you still are just questioning, and that's okay. But understand, there's a day coming, and God will not be patient. God will no longer be gracious because he needs to vindicate himself and take care of the wickedness and evil of the world. So what side do you choose? And I pray, I pray that you would choose wisely. We pray for your salvation. Lord, thank you for this day. May you be honored and glorified. Will you draw people to yourself, Father, for salvation? In your precious name, amen.
So stand up. Let's sing the second verse of Cornerstone. When darkness seems to light his feet. 